Hello, Marvelites! You are listening to Marvel's The Pull List for new comics on sale July 3rd, 2019. I'm Ryan Panagos, a.k.a. Agent M. And I'm Tucker Marcus. Do, 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 Yep. Right? Yeah. It's, uh, is, it, is that like an America song? Am I wrong? I don't know. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I was talking about the, yeah, yeah. Uh, when our listeners hear this, those who are in <laughs> yeah. the United States will be celebrating uh, the 4th of July. Okay. I'm catching up now. Yeah, yeah. sure. <laughs> Look, I'm working on minimal functionality in this brain here. I'm trying my best, Tucker. Uh, it's now two and a half weeks until Comic-Con. Mm. Uh, but we're not here to talk about any of that stuff. <laughs> we are here to tell you about the new comics that are on sale. We're going to run through all the print issues. We're going to tell you what hit our apps, what collections are out. And we're going to start with my first pick of the week. And that is Arrow number one. We've seen Arrow before alongside the new agents of Atlas. Arrow, let's specify, A-E-R-O. Yes. Because uh, when you say it out loud, it, it does also sound like Arrow, A-R-O-W. Yeah. Yes. There's nothing by that name in any sort of popular fiction exactly. or culture yeah. or whatever. Exactly. I don't even, wouldn't even know what you're talking about. Anyway. So we've seen this hero uh, in a team setting before, so it's really cool to see this hero in a solo book. We were talking a little bit before about this character's publishing history, and this character has been seen before in Asia, overseas for us, with uh, some Marvel publishing initiatives there and things like that. This is a Chinese superhero. She comes from Shanghai. And the first of two stories in this issue is uh, an English translation of an Arrow number one issue that was published in China. And I got to say, it's really cool. It's awesome. I found it a little hard to describe what I loved about it so much. Other than you, you can kind of feel like you, you just understand that this character was given like enormous weight and gravity from the very beginning. You know, this is a character and this is a story and an issue that has been given a lot of care and a lot of thought. This isn't just some sort of one-off like publishing initiative kind of thing for a certain, you know, a few countries or whatever. This is like, this is the real deal. This felt like a big major number one uh, of any of like our favorite number ones in recent times. So I, I, I was really, really impressed by what went down. And this this issue, the, the first story that, that I was talking about there is written by Joe Lifen with art by Kang and uh, the adaptation is by Mr. Greg Pak. And then we have a, 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 another story which is called Arrow and Wave, uh, Origins and Destinies. And that's written by uh, Greg Pak with art by Popman and colors by Federico Blee with letters uh, across the whole thing by VCs Joe Caramagna. So, like I said, story one is is uh, the English translation by Greg and kind of taking that original Chinese story and putting it into this book here. And then that second story is entirely original. Yeah, I, I think, you know, we have a lot of Filipino uh, Marvel fans and, and, and listeners in particular. I'm thinking like Jiggy Cruz and, and other yeah. folks who are uh, we hear from a lot. And um, this book is really cool because it, that second story has Wave's origin right. or at least a lot more about her origin. And I, it was a really neat twist. I love what they're doing with, with I, this character. I, I totally agree. I, I, I think across the board, I mean, one, just like the scale and the colors in this first story is so massive. It's it's really interesting, specifically like the size of the panels feel a little bit bigger um, just be, so you can gather that scale. Uh, there's this really cool motion blur that's going out throughout a lot of the action. It just feels like really weighty and really 
Uh, you, like I said, you just understand how big this is right from the get-go. Heck yeah. Yeah. All right, up next is Age of X-Men Prisoner X number five. This is the final part of this limited series. Uh, it is written by Vida Ayala with art by Herman Peralta and Matt Horak with colors by Mike Spicer and letters by VCs Joe Sabino. Uh, in this one, you've got Legion going up against Bishop, Polaris, and a whole bunch of the other prisoners. I really, really love the way Herman draws Legion, all like wild-eyed yeah. and big hair very dangerous, very disturbing. It's the Legion that we think of from the comics, the traditional one in of uh, when he's more like unhinged. Yeah. There's times when he's been like he's been keeping himself in control. He's like fighting his demons and dealing with things and he's more of like a hero. This is him just like Aah! Yeah. Yeah. Wild. Yeah, it's, you it's can great. you can like feel this kind of Sinkevich influence yeah, on like the silhouette and things. Sure. It's really awesome. Yeah. It all this this is the issue where it all pops off for Bishop and and the crew. Uh, and and we are marching right to the finale of Age of X-Man very very soon. Uh, up next is Captain America and the Invaders Bahamas Triangle number one. Uh, this is written by Roy Thomas, Jerry Ordway, colors by J. David Ramos and VCs Joe Caramagna on the letters. Uh, it's really great because Roy Thomas, Jerry Ordway, classic Marvel Comics creators. It's cool to see them coming back, uh, especially Roy with his you know, basically creating the Invaders and that concept and mm. putting that together back in the 70s. Really making it and bringing it back here. This is, you know, a, essentially a secret meeting with FDR, behind the scenes thing. It's it's a fun tale with like lots of nods to each character's timely era origins and stories, which I really dug cuz mm. like there's um Betty, I believe her name is Betty Dean, the police officer who is friends with Namor back in those early Bill Everett comics, she shows up. Mm -hmm. You've got some stuff about Jim Hammond and his time with, you know, being a policeman. You've got, like, a very early in his career, Captain America, all these different things going on. It's it's a lot of fun. Yeah. I love these kind of period stories like this that take place, like, at a certain point in history. I mean, I'm thinking of uh, Teeny Howard's Captain America Annual uh, which from several months ago, which kind of was the same thing. I mm -hmm. just I just love that kind of story. It's really awesome. Uh, okay, next up we have Cosmic Ghost Rider Destroys Marvel History Number Five. Uh, it's written by Paul Shear and Nick Giovanetti. Art by Nathan Stockman. Colors by Rochelle Rosenberg. And letters by VCs Travis Lanham. What I was really most intrigued by and, and uh, thought was really awesome was to see how Frank castle like the cosmic ghost rider future frank interacts with his own past and also like in this issue we see him just like hanging out with a family and and some kids there's something really emotional there at the core of that we know that this series has been just super fun and just so cool to see like this metal like going around just killing people and doing all that it's it's so much fun but at the core of it um, to see that come through and to see those little beats that are hit and, and to know all that we know about this character, about Frank Castle, about his origins, about how, um, you know, everything that Cosmic Ghost Rider has been through, everything that kind of more present day Frank has been through is really, really interesting. It's really cool. And uh, yeah, so applause to the creative team on this one. I thought it was great. Yeah, I, I really dig uh, the way Nathan in the art here draws the Watcher. Yeah. Uh, like there's a bit with the Watcher and the way he draws... Like he just looks cool, and like there, there's a, a like a gag bit with him there that I was just like, this is fun. Yeah, this is great. yeah, yeah. Uh, up next is Dead Man Logan number nine, written by 
Ed Brisson, Mike Henderson on the art, Nolan Woodard on colors, and VCs Corey Pettit on the letters. You know, we have two Wasteland era stories. I mean, they're set in different periods yeah. uh, in the Wasteland, but they're both set in this, like this future, you know, apocalyptic mm-hmm. uh, future. Uh, in this one, though, you have Logan, uh, Danny Cage, Daniel Cage, and little Bruce, the, um, you know, the young Hulk, mm-hmm. finding some safety. At least for a time, which is good. You're like I, the val- the peaks and valleys of the dangers of this story are, are a lot of fun. It's neat to see how Ed pulls in the connections from the original Old Man Logan and other Wolverine stories for you know for this one. But you got one big bouncing potential bomb that's that's like sort of simmering in this issue mm-hmm. uh, and going on right here. And of course, Mike's work on this is sick and it's slashy and his villainy characters. They are particularly menacing looking. Yeah. Like there's a way he draws the saber tooth in this era that is just, oh, he's a nightmare. Yeah, yeah. Like real messed up. Yeah, totally agreed. Totally agreed. Um, okay, next up we have Fantastic Four, The Prodigal Son, number one. It's my first pick of the week. Oh, yeah. It's written by Peter David with art by Francesco Mana, colors by Espen Grundetjern, and letters by VCs Corey Pettit. Tucker, this one surprised the heck out of me. Yeah. You know, because I, I, I didn't know too much about it uh, coming in. I know you guys have done some articles mm-hmm. on the Prodigal Son stories on Marvel.com. But, you know, I, I try to keep a, a little bit fresh going in. I just knew, you know, it's going to be fun because Peter Davis writing it. Yeah. Uh, but was this a new character? What's going on? And this one is really funny. Like, it's yeah. very – it's like Peter David doing – Really funny Peter David stuff. He has this comes up with this really great, not villain or antagonist or hero, but just this powerful dude at the center of it named Prodigal. Mm-hmm. And so he's smarmy and egotistical and exceptionally powerful and not of this world. So it allows Peter to like just channel a whole bunch of fun moments through him. Yeah. Just like getting interrupted and, and yelling at all the people who interrupt him who like wiping things off the planet if he needs to <laughs> like talking to different people in, in various different ways it's a lot of fun uh dialogue again solid peter david goodness with very quippy very snappy um but also at the same time being very realistic and bantery you yeah. know it's like he he is able to strike that balance and it's like you it sound when you read it, it sounds like people talking. Mm-hmm. It also sounds like something you may find in a movie. Yeah. The the story of Prodigal will continue in I think it's two other books, mm-hmm. but this one has got Fantastic Four, so that's a lot of fun because now that they're back, more writers getting to play with them again. Uh, it's got Savage Land stuff, which mm-hmm. I always love. It's got Kazar and Shanna and their hot son who hit it. She uh, the the hot son <laughs> hits it off with Valeria, which is. A really funny bit in there. Uh, it's great. I I wouldn't have picked it if I didn't love it and and got fully surprised by it. So I know a lot of you will will check out books because of what we talk about on the show. This one, did, hidden gem. Yeah, go for it. Totally check it out. Totally agree. Next up, uh, like as opposite of that as you could get. Like this is so not a hidden gem. This is so like an obvious gem. And also <laughs> dark. Yeah. Like the other one is like, oh, look at this. This is a fun story. This one is yeah, yeah. 
everything is horrible. Yeah, yeah. They're I, all dead inside. Yeah, yeah. I'm trying to think of like what the opposite of a hidden gem is, and then just immediately I go to... guaranteed pick. Yeah, like I, yeah. Like I had to force myself not to pick <laughs> Immortal Hulk. Well, this that, week. that's exactly what I was thinking. It's just like this book is so good. Every single issue, it's so surprising. Uh, Al Ewing is just going to such amazing new places in every single issue that it's just like it set a a new standard for itself that you can't like it's hard to even think of it as uh like a just another comic because it's so special uh and and we're of course talking about immortal hulk and this is issue number 20 it's written by al ewing with pencils by joe bennett inks by roy jose bellardino bravo and mark deering colors by paul mounts and letters by vcs Corey pettit this is exactly like you said it's really dark it's, um, but it, there's something at the core of it that I think is doing amazing work in a way that uh, cultivates the entire history of Bruce Banner and uses that as a, a starting place, but also does an amazing job at connecting a bunch of various dots from across Bruce Banner's past, uh, but also bringing it into the future and making it fresh and modern and, um, you know, something that is impactful in a really unique way in 2019. There's a really fascinating thing going on between Bruce and his father. Um, It's this really kind of freaky, not sure what's real, what's not uh, kind of uh, story. But I also really love a way that Banner Hulk kind of dichotomy is illustrated here and that's something that you know creative teams have had a, a ton of fun with for decades and specifically in recent years i think of like totally awesome hulk and and the yeah. really cool way that greg pock visualized that relationship between amadeus cho and the hulk but here it's really cool and it works perfectly the story because it's almost like it's almost like uh bruce banner is inside the hulk kind of just screaming in a way and the Hulk is there and there's almost a fraternal relationship. There's a power dynamic there that's very specific and super interesting. It's just amazing stuff across the board. It's like the the Hulk is almost like this nightmarish Russian nesting doll yeah. with Bruce at the like the littlest one yeah. in the center. But every time you think you're getting closer to Bruce, there's a new doll yeah. <laughs> that is introduced above him. It, it's yeah. 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 It, it, and it's it's so good. I mean, there's, um, of course, uh, another hallmark of this of this series is the incredible monstrous, like out of your most fearsome nightmare kind of imagery. But we also have some, you know, fascinating stuff and some really cool moves. Uh, on the Rick Jones front, which is really awesome. I mean, there's so many different layers to this book that I think almost any other great series would be like, oh, this book is about that. It's about Bruce's journey to find Rick Jones, or it's about Bruce's relationship with his parents, or it's about Bruce's relationship with the Hulk. There's just so many different elements that are layered in here. It's so spectacular. Yeah, you know, when I every time I read an issue, I I think about the the title of the book, Immortal Hulk, Mm. and how that is sort of explored in each issue. And this one had an interesting part where someone Bruce is talking to mentions the first time Bruce died was when the gamma bomb went off, Mm -hmm. originally turning him into the Hulk, which, you know, you think about that. And then that just got me like, well, I wonder how many times he's died. Yeah. We need to, we should do a 
account. We should figure out how. I bet Al has that. Like, oh, a million percent. Like locked up. Yeah. He's probably got like yeah. a master list that he can go to anytime he wants to reference. Yeah. Yeah. So cool. All right. Up next is Ms. Marvel Annual Number One. This is written by Magdalene Visaggio with art by John Lamb, colors by Misasic, letters by VCs Joe Caramagna. And, uh, you know, this one's really fun. So this is one of our Acts of Evil books. We're going to be doing a whole bunch of Acts of Evil books. The idea being it's kind of like the old school Acts of Vengeance event from the late 1980s. Villains swapping nemeses to take them off guard in a sense. But it's much less overt. I don't believe there's going to – maybe there will be. This is the first one. I don't think there's any big villain master plan putting this all together. It's just sort of taking these characters and switching up who you would normally see them up against. At the same time, giving creators who we don't often see on these big books yeah. uh, a chance to shine. And, you know, Mags is great. She's done a little bit of work for us, but now we get to see a little bit more here. And so this one puts Ms. Marvel against Super Scroll. Which is great. I love Super Scroll. And then you take the idea of, you know, Ms. Marvel can embiggen and grow and she's a polymorph. Uh, Super Scroll is sort of like the apex of the Scroll race, who he has the powers of the Fantastic Four and the ability to do, you know, he can stretch and he can turn fire, go invisible. He's got the strength. He's awesome. I love Super Scroll. You know, this one is wonderful because Mags really hits Ms. Marvel's voice so well, you know, that. That's a very key thing. Uh, you know, Willow, G. Willow Wilson and Sana Amanath, they really said, okay, this is who Kamala Khan is over the last couple of years. And I think Mags does it very well. It's fun. It's positive, motivational. She feels like that proper hero. And it's a story that got that, that gives us some really cool ties to classic Marvel, but is just like super easy to dive in for mm-hmm. anyone. Yeah, totally. Okay, next up we have The Punisher Number 13, it's written by Matthew Rosenberg with art by Simon Kudransky, colors by Antonio Fabella, and letters by VCs Corey Pettit. This is just the good stuff because it's Frank Castle in New York City. I mean, he's bounced around a bunch of different places um, uh, recently. He was most recently in, in, in Bagalia. He was in a jail uh, uh, kind of in Eastern Europe for like eight months or something like that. Um, not in our time, in um, his time. But so we've seen him just kind of go international. We've seen a bunch of different uh, things happen with him. So now to have him back uh, in New York City, it just feels right. You know, it's just like this is what the doctor ordered. And it's so cool. I love to see um, Matt just iterate on the classic Frank Castle bad good guy thing. Um, There's an awesome scene that starts out in the first few pages where a woman's walking home. It seems like she's going to get attacked um, by someone. Things happen. I don't want to say too much because it's just a really cool little moment. And then another cool moment right after that. But it's just great to see exactly that. It's so cool to see Frank Castle doing his brand of justice in the city that made him. Uh, and then we have what's really awesome is we have Zemo, who Frank has been after for a really long time. And then we have Zemo teaming up with the Kingpin, which is awesome. Uh, I love the way that Simon draws the Kingpin here. It is that kind of classic, huge, just like hulking, just like big oval guy, (laughs) which is awesome. There's some great stuff, I think, specifically one of my favorite scenes in this one is is this interaction that Frank has with some police officers. Oh, man, I I loved it. And like, I can see, like, I, I can see Matt 
like really thinking about yeah. the scene and how he wanted to, to play out and the conversation and all that stuff. A, a million percent. Uh, another great issue and, and just super exciting stuff happened right here in NYC. <laughs> <laughs> is, that, is that how you normally say New York City? Yeah. Uh, all right. Up next is Old Man Quill, which is issue number seven. And man, I've heard about this issue uh, for yeah. a while now. But this one is written by Ethan Sachs, art by Robert Gill, colors by Andres Mosa, and letters by VCs Joe Caramagna. I knew that there was something happening in this issue that would kind of flip the whole book on its ear. Mm-hmm. I avoided hearing what it was. I wanted to come in it straight, and I was like, and it does. Uh, no spoilers. We're, we're not going to tell you what it is, but like this one, this is a big turning point for yeah. the story. But Quill and the gang, they go spelunking in the Baxter building to find the ultimate nullifier. I just love the idea that the, there's the skeleton of giant Loki who had like mm-hmm. grown so large. Uh, the skeleton is in the wasteland, and the Baxter building was basically used to impale him. Right. And now it's like going down, and, and the the guardians have to go uh, excavating into it to try to find the ultimate nullifier. And then horror. Yeah. Uh, it's reminding me a little bit of the Descent. Do you know that movie? Uh, no. Uh, it's a it's a horror movie about going in caves and monsters. Ooh. And, uh, real creepy, really, really good. Um, it's uh, there's there's a wonderful, awful use of a helicopter in here. Oh no! Uh, helicopters scare me. Really? Helicopters are on my list of like five things that scare me. Helicopters, sharks, uh, being buried alive, and um, uh, I don't know, like sharks plus the open ocean. Yeah. <laughs> I get it. But helicopters are absolutely on that list. Really? Yeah. What would it take to get you in a helicopter? I don't know. They just feel so volatile. I'm so scared. I'm so scared. Yeah. Uh, well, <laughs> the the helicopter is used in a just disgusting way. <laughs> okay. In this issue. It was great. Uh, of course, you've got Gladiator and the Imperial Guard. It's a lot of fun. Uh, all right. Up next is... My second pick of the week, Savage Avengers, number three. I love this friggin' book so much. Uh, this is chapter three called Crom Whispers. Yeah. Uh, it's written by Jerry Duggan, art by Mike Diodato Jr., colors by Frank Martin, letters by VCs Travis Lanham. So uh, this book is bonkers. Let's just make sure you all understand that. Yeah. It is wild. Uh, we did a recent This Week in Marvel about Kulin Goth, talking about him. Jerry was on that. If you missed it, please go check it out. It's just a couple weeks back. But in this, I'm also going to say that we just recently passed the 30th anniversary of Ghostbusters 2, uh-huh. uh, which I love Ghostbusters yeah. 2. I, yeah. I will defend it to the fullest. It is not... As good as Ghostbusters 1, but if you divorce yourself from that, it is such a fun movie. Partially because it came out when I was eight years old, right? No, and I, so, I, I, I'm just so there with you. I love that movie. Like the, the, um, when I think of Ghostbusters, I don't really even think of Ghostbusters 1. I think of at the end of Ghostbusters 2 when the movie's over and the kind of theme tune is playing, the Bobby Brown song, and it's just like them running through the streets. Yeah. And like it, like, it could like get me emotional just because yeah. it's so nostalgic oh. and awesome. Yeah. So many great moments in it. So I bring up Ghostbusters 2 because mm-hmm. the villain in that is Vigo the Carpathian. Yeah. And there's one point in the movie where they talk about how he was shot, stabbed, like pulled apart like all these ways that they tried to kill him and mm-hmm. it didn't work so in this issue uh Kulin goth is our big villain this nightmare sorcerer and he is shot in the head point blank mm-hmm. th- right like between the eyes he is stabbed through the chest he is 
like Vigo from Ghostbusters mm-hmm. 2, and I love it. I'm so here for it. It <laughs> makes me so happy. Um, he's killed in a, a few bunch of ways, but he's still kicking uh, and still making mayhem for this weird group that includes Electra, Punisher, Wolverine, Voodoo, Conan, Venom. I mean, oh, there's a thing that happens to Conan in this issue. I was like, what is going on? I was reading this and I was just imagining Jerry, uh, writer Jerry Duggan, mm-hmm. sitting back in his office going, you know there's no way they're going to let me do this. So I'm definitely going to write it, and then we'll figure out how to change it later. And then it all goes through, and everybody's like, yeah, this is great, Jerry. And he's like, what world am I living in? It's amazing. It's just a bunch of big, brutal moments, lots of blood and stabbings and deathings. Uh, just really fun. I almost forgot about the bit where Conan uses Wolverine. Like Wolverine gets knocked out uh, and he's got, still got his claws popped. And Conan's like, oh, and Conan's a big dude. Wolverine's a little bit smaller. Yeah. He picks Wolverine up and swings him around <laughs> to use the claws. And it's just the best. Yeah. Like It's so much fun. He uses him like a club with knives on it. <laughs> I don't know if that's never been done before. Kudos to I Jerry know, and Mike on this one. Man, it's, uh, it's tremendous. Read this book. It is absolutely wild it is so much fun it is tremendous yeah totally totally agreed so good um okay next up we have secret warps soldier supreme annual number one and this is written by al ewing with art by carlos gomez colors by carlos lopez and letters by vcs travis lanham uh this issue has uh, uh if you check out the video version of polis this week we talk about new characters and one of them obviously was arrow and this issue features a, a bunch of them we have uh new characters from this issue specifically i'm thinking of who do we have we have uh ulysses clorb well did you set up the pre- what the idea okay. of the secret yes. warps are i'm too i'm too i'm too know, deep i'm I too know. far in okay <clears throat> Coming out of Infinity Wars from last year, speaking of Jerry Duggan, part of that was like there was this kind of the universe was folded in on itself and there was like a mashup of a bunch of characters as a result. And one of those is the Soldier Supreme, which is a mashup of Captain America and Doctor Strange. And that's how our kind of our entryway into this story. And we're calling this the Mergerverse. According mm. to this issue, there's a like the Mergerverse yeah, is yeah, mentioned. Yeah. Uh, and, and there are a bunch of really awesome hero kind of mashups like that. Uh, this is a great one. With this one also uh, stars the mashup of Iron Man and Thor, which is really cool. Such a good character. So that's our entry point. And in the merger verse, of course, we have a bunch of villains and other heroes, people kind of swirling around that will uh, come out of, as a result. Um, I mean, right away we get Madame Hell, who is, of course, a mix up of Madame Mask and Hella. So cool. It's not just like that. It's fun on a meta level to be like, oh, it's cool to see the, like how this character talks or acts because it's a cool mix up of, of these two um, characters. It's it's really awesome on a visual level to see what costume elements or the way they their face looks, or, you know, these different things, the way they appear. It's really, really cool and just so much fun. So that's the backstory. And then we also have like a character like Arachnite who had... Uh, I think his own limited series uh, uh, at the end of last year. One or two issues or something, yeah. Which is Moon Knight and Spider-Man. There's a bunch uh, of great stuff happening here, including, okay, now we got there, Ulysses Clorb, who is a mashup of Ulysses Claw and the Orb. Whoa. It's so good. It's just, (laughs) I got to it, I was like, how dare you? How dare you do this? It's beautiful. Yeah, yeah. There's U.S. Archmage, which is like another kind of like 
it's it's so fun because it's like you have the Soldier Supreme, who is a mix up of Captain America and Doctor Strange. Then you have U.S. Archmage, who is a mix up like it's another kind of play on the same idea. Well, because it actually takes U.S. Agent yeah. and Kalu, uh, the Sorcerer, who are both like the the level down yeah, yeah. of their perspective. Like you know, Captain America has U.S. Agent, Doctor Strange has Kalu. It's just I was like. Damn it, so good. Yeah, and that's just really, honestly, that's scratching the surface here. There are so many different uh, fun elements like that. It's just one of those things. It's another one of those things that I think it has in common with Savage Avengers where you're just reading it. It's just so much fun. Yeah, I remember being in one of the editorial retreats last year and Al Ewing pitched it and he was, because he, he, he just, this is like him just bread and butter, yeah. having fun. Yeah. And he's like, okay, so we did the warps. Now we're going to warp crossover events right so this one is a little bit of acts of vengeance i don't remember the other one that it's tied to but the next one is atlantis attacks and uh inferno i believe mm. mashing them together <laughs> it's and he was just giddy yeah was of course giddy yeah it was great all right up next is spider gwen ghost spider number 10 this one is written by shauna mcguire art by takeshi miyazawa and rosie camp and colors by ian herring letters by vcs clayton cowles if you are not reading spider gwen you totally should. This is uh, actually a really great setup for the Ghost Spider book that launches in August because here we see Earth-65 Gwen. She's going to be spending more time in the main Marvel Universe. This issue provides plenty of background, like her going there and having fun and getting adventures and crime and all this other stuff, interacting with the other Marvel characters. It has Gwen and our Peter eating hot dogs, talking about the benefits of corn dogs. Corn dogs, yay or nay? Can you eat a corn dog? Uh, Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and I would say yay. Yeah. Yeah. At the like uh, Spider-Man Far From Home after party, mm-hmm. they had hot dogs and little sliders. Me and Patrick, our uh, talent producer, mm-hmm. uh, we went straight to them hot dogs. <laughs> ketchup on the hot dogs. That's us. Nice. We do, we do ketchup on them dogs. Yeah. Anyway, um, what else? It's got uh, – they're fighting Dino Swarm who <laughs> – Shonen wins again because Dino Swarm is the best. It takes Swarm, the Nazi made of bees, mm-hmm. and turns it into a dinosaur. Yeah. Uh, and there's logic <laughs> behind it. It's the best horrible villain ever. It is super fun. I love this book. Uh, next book this week is my second pick of the week, and it is Star Wars Age of Resistance. Finn, number one. It's written by Tom Taylor with art by Ramon Rosanas, colors by Guri Effects and letters by VCs Travis Lanham. So we uh, just wrapped up the Age of Rebellion stories. We've gone through the different kind of eras of uh, Star Wars history, and now we've moved on. This is the first Age of Resistance story, which is so exciting. It's so awesome because we're forging new ground here. I mean, uh, we've, of course, uh, always been reading stories that fill in gaps and tell different character elements things we've never seen before but this is especially cool because these characters are so new and it feels like in a way it's not just about capturing the essence of characters that we've known for decades and decades and decades it's about forging really new ground i mean we're still getting to know who these characters are in a lot of ways it's really really interesting where they come from what motivates them things like that and this one is really fun because we get to see uh finn as like cleanup crew we learned about it in the force awakens he was stationed on star killer base he was like maintenance and utilities guy and we literally get to see him walking around with the mop and stuff in this story it's so much fun here's a fun fact mm. sometimes what will happen on my uh commute to work queens get the m train do 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 get off rockefeller center 
sometimes, and it's happened multiple times, what will happen is, you know who gets on my train car in the middle of that ride? Star Wars editor Mark Paniccia. And we talk about Star Wars on the train to work. It is the best. It happened two days ago. Uh, he may be the nicest guy in the world. And I just like pester him with questions about what's coming in, in the world of Star Wars comics and all that stuff. So that's a hint. Listeners, if you take the M train, try to target and find the car and yep. the time that Tucker and Panic are on there. You can get all the Star Wars secrets. Yeah, that's right. Um, uh, uh, and of course, because uh, this is a, a I'm a professional that probably happens around like 7.45 a.m. Boom, get to the office right at 8. I am here. <laughs> Why are you laughing so hard? No, no. It's, yeah, yeah. 8, 8 a.m. Sure. Definitely. Anyway. Uh, all right. We got another Star Wars book this week. It is Star Wars Target Vader number one, written by Robbie Thompson, art by Mark Laming and Chris Bolson, colors by Neeraj Menon, Jordan Boyd, Andres Mosa, Federico Bli, and Eric Arseniego, with letters by VCs Clayton Cowles. Uh... I am real glad Star Wars number 108 came out recently because it introduced yeah. me to the character of Valance, mm-hmm. uh, who I hadn't had much experience with those classic Star Wars issues. So I learned a lot through that, you know, and found out he's just this badass cyborg bounty hunter dude. But that was not in canon continuity. Mm-hmm. This is, and this also features Valance. It's a Valance story in canon. And uh, look, the name of the book is Target Vader. Mm-hmm. So you got a bounty hunter. You got a target. See what happens. <laughs> uh, this one is, is a lot of fun. It's a sort of obviously some setup of, you know, Vader is scary and dangerous yep. and awesome. Yep. Uh, and it's also setting up like Valance is scary and dangerous and awesome. <laughs> and it's also Valance getting his team of rogues together, uh, it's it's really building up like this is going to be a titanic battle. Yeah. I can't wait for it. Yeah, totally. Um, my last book this week is Unbeatable Squirrel Girl, number 46. It's written by Ryan North with art by Derek Charm, colors by Rico Renzi, letters by Travis Lanham. Uh, this is the final War of the Realms Unbeatable Squirrel Girl uh, tie-in issue uh, where we deal with not just the war, but then the fallout of the war and all that good stuff. So much fun here with uh, Doreen Green and Ratatasker, their evolving relationship. It is just so much fun. It's really cool to see how Ryan has moved that relationship from like antagonistic to something way more complicated to something that we end up with here which I don't want to spoil too much but it's just it's just so great of course we're moving from War of the Realms with Unbeatable Squirrel Girl into uh, this run of Unbeatable Squirrel Girl's final story arc which um, uh, I'm simultaneously so excited for um, but also so sad that it's happening but uh, you know we've talked about it a few times I think that Squirrel Girl is one of those characters where just out of nowhere you recognize and you realize what an emotional weight she carries because she's just so relentlessly positive because she's so specific because she just feels so real because Ryan North just has such an incredible command and understanding of this character that it'll just have these moments out of nowhere where you're just like, oh, oh, man, I'm not going to cry right now. And that somehow fits in with this being routinely one of the funniest books that we read. Yeah, great stuff. Yep. All right, last book for us to talk about this week is Uncanny X-Men number 21, written by Matthew Rosenberg, art by Salvador LaRocca, with colors by Guru EFX, and letters by VCs Joe Caramagna. The X-Men finally make it to Emma Frost. 
and now they remember her, mm. uh, which is cool. It's, you know, like the idea of what Emma has done and, and why she's done things, and we're seeing it all. All the pieces are now falling into place. I think this is the penultimate issue right. of this run before we go into House of X and Powers of Ten. So uh, we've got the Emma Frost stuff with, with a bunch of the team members. On the other side of things, Wolverine is in full berserker mode mm-hmm. against the Office of National Emergency, the O&E. Uh, things go completely belly up when the rest of the team shows up. X-Men die. Two major characters are completely changed. Uh, and it ends with this giant WTF splash page. It's like everything, they're putting everything on the page, going out, guns blazing, making some big sweeping moves. We'll see... What the last one holds, It's this has been a really incredible run. I'm very proud of Matt for doing what he's done on, on X-Men. These, uh, this, it's only been like a year, Yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like yeah. A year and change, year and right. a half maybe. I don't even know. Yeah, no, I think like barely a year. Not almost. even a year, yeah. right? It started in September? fall. Yeah. Gosh. That boy, he writes a lot of comics. Yeah, he does. Yeah. Uh, awesome stuff. Okay, collections on sale this week include Adventures of the X-Men, Clear and Present Dangers, Conan the Barbarian, Volume 1, The Life and Death of Conan, Book 1, Conan, The Jewels of Gwalior, and other stories. Kirby is Mighty King Size and Star Wars Legends Epic Collection, The Newspaper Strips, Volume 2. Heck yeah. All right, so on Marvel Unlimited, there aren't a ton of the newer releases in there because... We, it's six months out from release, so uh, six months ago was actually the like the last shipping month of mm. the year, or the last shipping week of the year, but it actually brought a bunch of great issues. X-Force number one, uh, Superior Spider-Man number one is in there, Fantastic Four number five, which is a great issue. Uh, you got the Marvel Digital original first issue of Cloak & Dagger, Negative Exposure number one. There's an old 1980s Marvel graphic novel Hulk thing, the big change that hit Marvel Unlimited this week, uh, some 90s Darkhawk. So still, you're getting plenty of goodness. Mm-hmm. Great. Yeah. Marvel Unlimited. Yeah. Get it. Get it. Uh, that's it. We got to go. Uh, if you <laughs> are in America and enjoying the 4th of July, please be safe. Mm-hmm. Uh, seriously. I, I know people who have, you know, had accidents with fireworks. Oh, geez. Be very, very careful. Yeah. Okay. That's all I got to say. <laughs> yeah. Careful uh, out there, Jubilee. <laughs> She's got control. She yeah. knows what's up. Yeah, yeah. yeah, we just need more jubilees. <laughs> anyway, uh, we'll be back with another episode next week. I'm Ryan. And I'm Tucker. And this is Marvel. Your universe. <laughs>